it was an American dream, right? So it's like, wow, being an employee can climb the corporate ladder was not the only way. Uh, you could be an entrepreneur, just like many other successful entrepreneurs, famous people、uh, in the valley, and you could try. You are listening to the Sure Shot Entrepreneur, a podcast for founders with ambitious ideas. Venture capital investors and other early believers tell you relatable, insightful, and authentic stories to help you realize your vision. Welcome to the Sure Shot Entrepreneur. Today's guest is Eugene Chung at TSV Capital. TSV Capital is based in the Silicon Valley and makes investments in startups with a strong technology background. Eugene, welcome to the Sure Shot Entrepreneur. Okay, thank you, Gaurvi. Thank you for having me on. Tell us about yourself, starting with how you came to the U.S. Yes, I was born in China,、uh, Shanghai, and then went to Xi'an for during my elementary and high school, and then spent eight years at Beijing Tsinghua University. That's eight years, and then、uh, spent one year in Japan. You know, nineteen ninety, I came to New York for one year, and then after that, thirty years in Silicon Valley. So thirty years in the Silicon Valley is a long time. A lot of things must have changed in those three decades. How is Silicon Valley different today compared to when you first arrived? Yeah, so big changes. Personally, gone through in the three three. Down and up cycles for for young people who've been in the valley for you know less than ten years. Mostly, this we saw the uptrend right、um, until the pandemic. So the activity, the investment, you know, the in the investment community, what defined as angel investor and the series A, B investor changes so much. Money is more plenty. That's just one aspect. Yeah, fundraising was much harder thirty years ago. There were far fewer venture capital firms, and amount of capital available was also far too limited. Now it's a lot easier to raise money, and it's much easier to be an entrepreneur with all the resources available, all the cloud resources, and those kind of things. Personally, you know, I was very fortunate during the thirty years. I have two checks. One is the employee. Very fortunate working with the son. Smart people and also very nice people. So, you know, I work at a Sun Microsystem, Cisco System, and Little Juniper Networks, all by with the help with people I work with in my previous or previous previous job. They help me introduce me to the new companies. On the second path as an entrepreneur, also I was one hundred percent work with the people in the previous jobs. So when I started my own company in the early 2000, those days fundraising was very very difficult. So we couldn't very immediately go arrange a meeting with any thank you、uh, VCs. So we rely on community like the、uh, Acon Campus, those successful entrepreneurs, Taiwan for example, to tend to them. For seed money, or that's very different、uh, situation. And、uh, when you get a meeting with the invest investor, it was a big deal. Usually, you, you know, 
prolonged calendar for three weeks away in the future, all that. It was a big, big deal back then. Yeah, things happen much more quickly these days. Most of the meetings happen in less than two weeks. You don't have to wait for a month to travel to Sand Hill Road to meet a VC. How did you start TSV Capital? And you started the firm about 10 years ago. Yeah. So I've been uh, fortunate working with the big companies. And then the, my first, uh, with my foot into the entrepreneur was when I work at a sound microsystem, work with a peer. He was developing a piece of software. It's a Vera project uh, related to today's uh, Verilog or system Verilog. So that was the first experience that later on the company was acquired. It was like an American dream, right? So it's like, wow, you don't have being an employee working, climbing the corporate ladder was not the only way you could be an entrepreneur, just like many other successful entrepreneurs, famous people in the Valley, and you could try. So that, that's the first wake up. So uh, later on, I did my own company, and after Juniper, I started to be an angel investor myself after 2000, being active as an angel, mostly by friends, schoolmates, people I know. They say, hey, uh, maybe you have some money. Why don't you be a, put some money in, the, in my company? That got us started. So that after certain, certain deals in 2010, right, that was after the financial crisis. It was the right time with a few, quite a few schoolmates, the Tsinghua schoolmates, to form this GP LP structure as a venture fund. It was very tiny. 2010 was only $4 million a fund, 2010. So it was, it's a community-based or Tsinghua alumni in the Valley. They have financially have some freedom. And then we started working on this part-time. Yeah, that's a history. Yeah, I have a $4 million fund as well. And okay. It feels like a small start, but it's great to see that over the 10 years, you've built a great firm. How is TSV Capital different from other firms? What do you look for that's different from other VC firms? Yeah, so I think we have been very bottomed up, right? very much bottomed up. I think we were all the partners, you know, we're all engineers, you know, PhDs. Most of us have done startups, raising money, that nature. So it's really day one. We it's uh, you know nowadays called an entrepreneur friendly mentality, and also it's a very community. Day one, we always have more partners participating with different domain expertise in various sectors. So that's how we got us started. Until today, after 10 years, we always go back, review, you know, the, in terms of how we do investment, how to make this firm successful. So today we describe it as we are. So the key difference is we, yeah, we are broad and with depth. By that, I mean, typically of our fund size, two or three partners, but we have, you know, five general partners, plus additional 12, and in the future, maybe more uh, venture partners to be the core decision-making network, decision-making with the mechanism. So that's how we um, can cover more sectors. Can you give an example of uh, one or two startups? 
how do you meet an entrepreneur where do you meet them and what do you look for and what stages do you like to meet these founders yeah we prefer to meet them very very early stage the seed nowadays you can say seed or pre-seed so that's where do we our position as a fund by today we have a quite a broad or deep network to do deal sourcing about 30% coming from our network chinese immigrant talents in the bay area various schools for example zoom ceo eric so i met him you know at a social event and then when he started a company so that's how uh, we connected and invest in the company so that's chinese you know the you know, network yeah this is a really good example zoom has become so successful what did you see in eric at that time with zoom zoom was not the first collaboration tool company there were many other solutions like that that already existed what appealed to you exactly so we all know even apple has a facetime for zoom at that time it's called a sasb i see uh, eric you know he uh, came here as an engineer and every step right so he learned to be uh, to do coding and be engineer and then be a vp so every step along the way proving his leadership capabilities after the acquisition by webex and then he was a vp but he was willing to give up a lot of compensation and was determined to do a next generation of collaboration video platform so it's really about the people the you know the drive and determination that was the major major decision point for us you like to track entrepreneurs over many years to see how their their career progresses and then when they start a company it's a lot easier for you to form a conviction in their business so we we look at is of course you nowadays you cannot have many years to know someone things are moving very fast but the one number one thing we look at is the the team and founder we always need to know what's the reason they want to start it, start this company what is the drive the background so in our decision process this always come as number one to so want to understand their part so come down to what you know the, the although we are very early stage but the entrepreneur has to make their um, decision first willing to take that risk so on that part we don't encourage you say, say hey it's time for you to start a company you should start a company we are not in a position to do any of that work that has to come 100% from the entrepreneur we heard a lot of people say oh what do you like to hear what is the company you like or, or that so it's a very every company is different so the the entrepreneur must make their uh, mental decision first of course things could change but that the to start a company take on this difficult journey that decision has to be formed by the entrepreneur a lot of vcs including me uh, we ask questions about their background we want to make sure the founding team has diverse skill sets besides all of those things i'm sure you ask for those questions as well in addition to all of that is there something that you like to learn about entrepreneurs what do you ask them in the first few meetings you know so always for example how did you come about to 
decide to do this business? How did you, uh, your founding team, you come together? What is the connection there? What is the vision for this company? So those are, you know, commonly asked uh, questions. What tips would you like to give to entrepreneurs before they come to meet you? What can they do to prepare themselves? I think that because we are very early uh, stage, so certain company belong to an existing market, then you need to be clear about why you are 10x better or 10x cheaper at least. But many things are in the cross-sectors, emerging market, then you need to articulate a very good vision uh, because at the time you have maybe some user, you maybe you have an idea for prototype or maybe you build something very basic and you don't have revenue or that so not a lot of financial numbers you can demonstrate so but we look for the vision and also you articulate the vision and also why this is the time for you to do this so this is some basic things we care about yeah, good entrepreneurs are exceptionally articulate with their vision. Is there an example you can give us about a startup where you heard the vision and it was very appealing to you? Yeah, let me use one recent example. There's a company called Privita, very, very early stage. The entrepreneur came to us and said, we are going to manage the better way to manage the patients with chronic diseases. If you arrange a bigger surgery and all that. There are a lot of prep work you have to do. You have to do this check. You have to do certain things, you know, come into place that can, you can do this surgery. By the time you go, you know, go to the doctor and then suddenly the checklist, something missed, then you have to be uh, delayed and reschedule and sometimes causing life problems, even problems. So those risks. So this entrepreneur, they say, we're going to do a, a management system, working with the doctors, the hospitals. It's it's very not easy to sell, but the, once you have traction, it's very sticky. So that thing we clearly can relate to. And then we also do DD and then validate this is a huge value. This is another way to put it. It's software eats certain verticals. This, in this case, it's the you know, chronic disease patient management. This is, uh, yeah, this is very interesting. You're, you're giving real-life examples of conversations you've had with entrepreneurs. How many entrepreneurs do you typically meet in a year, and how many investments do you make? Yeah, last year, for example, we invested in 11 to 12 companies. So our pace has been one or two per month. By that, we will meet hundreds of startups. You know, certain company, we meet them. We say we want to learn a little bit more. Yeah, we are typically investing in about you know, you know two to ten percent in, in that range. I think uh, the companies we invest over the ten years, we have invested in over one hundred eighty companies. Oh, you've probably met thousands of companies. How long does it take to go from the first meeting? to the second meeting, to the final meeting, where you say, yes, you want to make an investment? It also varies. We have this culture in place. We tell the entrepreneur, we can work with your schedule. As early stage venture, we have to be very nimble. And so we tell them, if you want us to move in one week, we will work with your schedule. 
we can call our internal meetings, uh, you know, every night. So that is our build in our practice. But typically, we nowadays, if it's Zoom, we meet them two times at least. Sometimes we have a third meeting, but the two times are common to get to know them more. 2020 yeah, was the year that we, most of the entrepreneurs, you know, for one case, even the entrepreneur very, was very nearby in our office. We didn't get to meet yet yeah, face. <laughs> Yeah, that was my next question. How has uh, COVID had an impact on your work? If you typically meet hundreds of entrepreneurs a year to make 12 investments, it's really hard to make those decisions without ever meeting the people in person. Of course, human connection, all that is very, very important. Definitely missing certain pieces, the body language piece. But we, we, investment, we after three Zoom meetings, and then along the way, we ask questions, especially on the closing phase. Along the way, we can learn a lot about the entrepreneur. So sometimes even you have indication to invest. And then along the way, the way to, for example, closing the deal, all the details coming along, then we can, can show. And then we could pull the trigger along the way. But I think, you know, for early stage, we feel we don't lose much by making decisions remotely. Yeah, we feel comfortable with doing it remotely. I've always used uh, remote interactions with entrepreneurs, and I've always invested outside Silicon Valley consistently. I do invest in the Silicon Valley, but I'm always open to other cities in the U.S. and outside the U.S. But never meeting an entrepreneur ever before making an investment is uh, quite difficult. So I'm learning to adjust to the new normal. It's a challenge indeed for everyone. Yeah, definitely you have something to missing totally away. But uh, we are also in a very active and competitive environment. On one hand, we have more entrepreneurs, a lot of startups are looking uh, for partners too. And then on the other hand, we have a lot of venture companies so yeah that's the dynamics and then it's evolving very very fast the seed a check size also changed so we as a culture we decided to move at the entrepreneur's pace if we like the company so we don't have a fixed say process it it just has to be two weeks within two weeks we cannot do it there's no such a thing yeah so i see that you play with the pace of the founders and if they need to accelerate you can but if they have more time you will be able to spend time to do your due diligence and get to know them better right right yes yeah so you have five partners at the firm how do you divide the responsibility do each one of you focus on different sectors or do you all collaborate on making decisions do five partners all of them need to agree when you make an investment yeah or can some people disagree how do you manage that very good question. Over the years, I think in terms of uniqueness as a fund, we built an internal system management system over the years and learned a lot of lessons. We treat ourselves also as a startup growing. And then the most important thing is to build an internal, either you call it a culture or an operating model with, with it. So today we, we are in among the peers of our this fund size. We are by far more people involved. How to manage that? We have an internal 
system called a TED to manage incentives, all that. We also publish that, that internally 100% transparency. On the decision part, right, we have, uh, we, as a culture thing, we encourage debating. We encourage convincing each other. In a small percentage cases, we have to resort to voting. We have an internal uh, voting mechanism. It's uh, uh, close to a majority type. But the no vote has to be more than one to veto. So in certain cases, we just cannot convince Even with the strong evidence one way or another, yeah, we resort to, to voting. So that's the very important piece to make it fun. And then afterwards, everybody had to live with the facts and move on. So yeah, that's also the, over the years, we, we work it out that way. Yeah, I see it's a collaborative process and you've developed The, the methodologies over the years and refined it to, to make it more transparent. What can entrepreneurs do or what can they expect when they come to TSV? Does the relationship start with one partner, but even the along the way they meet other partners also? Do they need to pitch and convince one partner or do they need to pitch and convince everybody in one room at the same time? How do entrepreneurs prepare when they come to TSV? Yeah, so usually we get a one because we have a quite a big team in various sectors. We want to capture all the emerging sectors right very early on. So once a company gets coming in, always we have one partner with the interest and then inviting other partner with related expertise to the meeting. That's very quickly. So we don't need a, the entrepreneur to come into Eugene to talk and then arrange a separate meeting with another general partner or that that's very common but we are just one you know we, because if i'm the deal sourcing it's me i'm just like any other partner in terms of deal contribution we follow the same formula and credit allocation all that so i'm the person to inviting other peer in my partner inviting relevant partners to come and join this deal team so there's always this one face to talk to. It's my responsibility if I'm that deal owner, inviting related partners to join this deal, yeah, deal team, we call it. So yeah, that's the mechanism. Okay. This is incredibly helpful. Over the years, venture capital has changed a lot and you've seen it over three decades, yet it is still not perfect. There are many more things that we can improve. If you were to change one thing in venture capital, what would it be? So clearly more diversified funds and more diversified entrepreneurs, right? We have all the news press by people chasing certain deals, valuation jumping from 20 to 40 million for the first round, I think. But on the other hand, maybe other types of companies are not, not in that camp. Maybe they don't fit into this kind of profile. So, but the word is interesting. I think. Uh, All the company, big companies such as Shopify or C Limited, they are not typical Silicon Valley type. So we are definitely in that role to bring the diversity into the uh, ecosystem. A part of a member doing that, encouraging the good entrepreneur coming in different uh, shapes. So and from different locations, uh, from different backgrounds, and that's the word is more interesting and more diversified. I think we play a role, but I encourage maybe more people to play in this ecosystem. 
Yes, we certainly need more diversity in the ecosystem, which is good for everybody, for returns for our limited partners, for venture capital investors to promote innovation, and for entrepreneurs to have opportunities to build businesses. So hope that happens uh, more and more in the future. I want to switch to the next segment of the podcast and ask you about your community involvement. Is there a nonprofit organization you are passionate about? Which one? Yeah, so actually that one has to do with deeply with the fund, how the fund was formed. So we have this called Qinghua Entrepreneur and Executive Club. It's a nonprofit organization called TEEC. So I was very early on a member and was a local president for quite a few terms. So that the roots I continue until today. Right now, the activity involves you know just provide advice and to young young people. Nowadays, it's no longer limited to Qinghua, you know, only the Qinghua schoolmates, uh, including almost all the uh, universities graduates and alumni in in the valley. The work is almost a week or bi-weekly session with young people ask their question, answer their uh, questions. They also do pitch, providing some advice in that nature. So it's been ongoing for, for many, many years. Well, this is great. I really enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to sharing your real-life, authentic stories about entrepreneurs. Well, thank you, Gobi. Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's a fun. Thank you for listening to the Sure Shot Entrepreneur. I hope you enjoyed listening to real life stories about early believers supporting ambitious entrepreneurs. Please subscribe to the podcast and post a review. Your comments will help other entrepreneurs find this podcast. I look forward to catching you at the next episode.